Okay, today I'm with Iona Italia. She's the new associate editor at Quillette. She's also the editor-in-chief at REO and the editor at Queer Majority. An editor. An editor, okay. (laughs) And she has her own Substack and podcast. What don't you do? Hmm, I don't do OnlyFans. Okay, not yet. (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) Uh, Today... We we need to talk about Barbie. We both saw it on the weekend, weren't massive fans. We need to talk about it. I loathed it with a deep and burning passion. Wow, me too. I was shaking my head the whole time. I never want to see Ryan Gosling in another film again, ever. I mean, it's probably not very fair on him, but uh, nevertheless, that's my feeling. I have PTSD now. Wow. I, I actually liked again. Ryan Gosling. I thought he was... One of the more redeeming features of the film. Oh, I thought um, he was just dreadful. It was hammy and overacted and awful. Okay. Well, he wasn't given a lot to work with, right? With no, that it's character. True. It's true. So where do we begin? We talked about it being very preachy and dogmatic. What what do you have to say about that? Um, yeah, so I felt that the film was in some places shouting this explicit message mm-hmm. at me. Um, and most obviously in the uh, in the scene where America Ferreira is talking about what it means to be a modern woman, and she says um, we're expected to do it all to be thin and beautiful and be perfect girlfriends and yet not need a man and be independent and also caring and do everything effortlessly and fulfill all roles and that's bullshit and it was presented as if this was a brand new revolutionary controversial Mm. idea and it felt to me like old school feminism from about 30 years ago Mm -hmm. or more than 30 years ago. Like second wave. Yeah, from when Mm -hmm. I was at university, Mm -hmm. which is longer ago than I care to admit. And nevertheless, despite the kind of preachiness of the explicit message that the film was giving me in little set piece speeches, especially that one, the the implicit message of the film seemed very confused. I agree. I It felt like I was expected to hold two contrary opinions in my head at the same time. One, that women live under this patriarchy and that we're victims of patriarchy, but at the same time that we're uh, these incredible girl bosses who can do anything whenever we want. So I found it very confused as well. What did you think about the Barbie world? So one thing we disagree mm-hmm. in was the colour palette because yes. I felt physically sick uh, from seeing all of that yeah. hot pink and um, I just... I heard the movie created a worldwide shortage of pink paint, uh, but I loved it. That was one of the only things I really liked about the film oh. and I loved it the start before it got too political, I suppose. I loved the colours and I loved like the choreographed dance pieces and the soundtrack. I thought the soundtrack was really, really good. I enjoyed the dancing, I think. And the costumes. Yeah, I think... Um, While we're getting the things we enjoyed out of the way, because (laughs) there weren't many. (laughs) I did enjoy the dancing, particularly Ken's, um, the dance of the Ken's, the fighting dance, which had a sort of Bollywood production Mm, flavor, big Mm -hmm. Bollywood production. Mm -hmm. And I enjoyed the beginning and the very end, although Mm -hmm. the very end, it was partly because I was so relieved that the credits were rolling. Thank God at last. Mm -hmm. But I enjoyed seeing the old Mattel 
Barbie, yes. actual Barbie dolls and mm. how they related to the film. That mm-hmm. was quite fun. And I thought uh, Margot Robbie was um, is just very beautiful and compellingly watchable. Mm-hmm. But even she could not save this film. No. Well, she was the pr- she is the producer of the film. Mm. So mm. it sort of made me lose a bit of respect for her. Not that I had that much to start with because... You know, she's incredibly beautiful and she's Aussie, which gives her points in my mind. But I don't think she's the best actress in the world. I don't find her that compelling. Just the fact that she's absolutely, you know, stunningly perfect looking Mm. is, is Mm. I think, her her best point. Sorry, maybe that's sexist. (laughs) (laughs) I find her totally compelling. Um, Mm. I felt as though being stunningly beautiful was the only thing asked of her in this film. Mm. And I enjoyed all the close-ups of her face. Um, <laughs> you and everyone else, I think. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, yeah, I did lose a bit of respect for her and the other actors involved because I thought, do you really believe this? Do you really believe this message? I bet they do because they work in Hollywood. But mm. I don't think it's a great message to be putting out there. And I I think it's a bad omen for future generations and relations between men and women that this is one of the most popular movies of our time. Yeah, I don't know if I would go quite that far. I read a little bit of Constantine Kissin's Mm -hmm. review Mm -hmm. of this, which seemed to me to be very much in the kind of um, backlash genre Mm -hmm. against Barbie. He was citing Louise Perry, who Mm -hmm. I've interviewed actually, Um, her book, um, Against the Sexual Revolution. Some people's response to this sort of very saccharine and at this point really cliched girl boss uh, feminism is to want a return to a period before um, liberal freedoms, Mm -hmm. to want fewer interpersonal freedoms, basically. To want, for example, divorce to be more difficult and Mm -hmm. access to contraception to be more difficult and things like that. That's an approach some conservatives are taking, particularly in the States, and Mm -hmm. I hate that approach. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I feel that it's, I don't know if it will really affect relations between men and women. Mm. It feels to me so perfunctory. Mm -hmm. There was no point in any of the explicit messages Let's talk about the implicit ones Mm -hmm. in a minute. But in none Mm -hmm. of the explicit speeches, was there anything in the tiniest bit surprising Mm. or kind of off message or off script? Mm -hmm. And that felt to me, I felt like I was at a corporate HR meeting a lot of the time. And uh, (laughs) that makes me want to vomit. Yes, it was very cliche. And what made it cringeworthy in parts were those monologues by America Ferreira, for example, or even the little interludes of like the internal monologue of Barbie. Yeah. I'm not sure I'm so worried about the impact of the film on audiences. Mm. I'm more dispirited because I just thought it was crap. Um, (laughs) Mm. And that kind of um, annoys me. It makes me feel as though standards are slipping. Get off my lawn. Um, that's how I feel about it. Um, I think that the references to Proust and existentialism, they seemed really typical for the film in that there was n- no actual discussion. It was just name check. Exactly. It's completely superficial. Exactly. Um, and that's how I felt about 
everything that was going on in Barbie land, that the Barbies were, apparently we are told that, you know, the women were fulfilling all of these powerful, executive, creative, and intellectual roles. We had the Barbie president Mm -hmm. and the Nobel Prize winner. It's never clear what she's a Nobel Prize winner for. Um, And I think that's quite typical of the film. Mm -hmm. Um, The writer and Mm -hmm. the Supreme Court judge and things like that. Those are just roles, like little tokens, like little Mm -hmm. sashes to Mm -hmm. wear. Exactly. And it felt uncomfortably true when Barbie goes into real life, which is Los Angeles, which is barely distinguishable from Barbie Mm -hmm. land. But it was uh, when she passes this big billboard and it has... um, Uh, the competition contestants in a beauty contest Mm -hmm. all lined up in a row wearing Mm -hmm. their sashes Mm -hmm. and she says oh look it's the supreme court i might have been closing my eyes (laughs) you might (laughs) have been just resting your eyes (laughs) yawning or staring into my popcorn yeah um i mean the supreme court in barbie land Mm. is basically uh like a like a kind of parade of Mm-hmm. beautiful women, all of whom except for one are mm-hmm. thin. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one fat woman felt like kind of tokenism to me. Yes, there was and a token every one in that film. There was one token fatter yeah. woman. Yeah, Everybody else was like a size zero mm-hmm. and young. And everyone was 20, mm-hmm. which I particularly object to. Again, mm-hmm. get off my lawn, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> you accept, Redacted. present company accepted. Mm. Also, you know, there was no there was no critical thinking, there was no intellectual debate. exploration, no mm. debate, no creativity, mm. no individuality, no problem solving, no inventiveness, none of the things that David Deutsch, you know, none mm-hmm. of the kind of Deutschian requisites mm-hmm. for human flourishing. Mm-hmm. None of them were present in Barbie Land. And to me it was a complete dystopia. I agree. Very dystopian. Wives. It was very sanitized. Yeah. And it was completely not what you would expect from a group of women living together without men. That's, I don't believe that's a true representation of how women would be without men. And also all of the women were identical and interchangeable. Mm -hmm. The film seemed to be really ambivalent about whether this was an ideal situation or Mm. not. Mm. Because, of course, Margot Robbie's uh, Barbie character leaves that world and goes into the real world. Yes. And chooses that over the Barbie world in the kind of mode of, you know, other characters Mm -hmm. like Pinocchio Mm -hmm. or The Little Mermaid. Mm -hmm. But Mm. unlike them, with absolutely zero costs. You know, there was no drama, no conflict to the heart of this, I felt. No, No real challenges. No yeah. real, uh, nothing really had any real cost in the end. Yeah, I was hoping mm. that in the end, the message would be that she'd learned that men and women can work together and we need each other and we love each other and we complement each other. And I don't think that was the message in the end. I think the message was that the real world is a patriarchy and that all we need to do is demolish it in order for women to be free and happy and successful and beautiful and all these this utopian vision. Yeah, though it was also really ambivalent about or ambiguous mm-hmm. about that. It wasn't ambivalent. It mm. expressed strong feelings that were just conflicted with each other. Yeah. And those conflicts were never explored. 
So I found the men in the boardroom at Mattel. Mm -hmm. It was presented as a bad thing that it was all men there at the Mm -hmm. boardroom. Um, And, you know, women would, of course, love to be part of this Mm C-suite. But at the same time, the men were all bored and frustrated and mm-hmm. um, just wanted to tickle each other. I mean, all the men in the film are completely mm-hmm. infantile. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that didn't work either. Yeah, that was one of my main issues with the film, that, as you were saying, it's confusing because the men are presented as bumbling idiots to be mocked and not respected, really. But at the same time, that they're these evil people who want to conspire against women. Mm. So mm. I was like, make your mind up. Is it one or the other? And I think... It's a, It would be pretty offensive for men to be, you know, imagine if the roles were re- reversed and women were shown to be these bumbling idiots. Like, I would be offended at that. Mm. Well, I did think the women were kind of um, bumbling idiots, actually. The frivolous, women in yeah. Barbie land mm. seemed very frivolous to me. That's true. Um, and um, I actually thought that the men, the men were also, the men were really stupid, mm-hmm. especially Ryan Gosling's mm-hmm. character. I I really apologize, Ryan. I know you're listening to this. Um, <laughs> He's so a regular listener. I'm I'm so mm. I'm so sorry, um, but I never want to see you play another role again. No. Um, I I just hated this so much. I will always see you as Ken from now on. Yeah. Um, you need to play a really serious villain for, to get this washed yeah. out of my head. Well, he plays such amazing, complex, masculine men in Drive and mm. The Place Beyond the Pines. Okay, and I'll have to watch that. A few other ones. He's, you know, he's a sexy heartthrob to most women, and I respect him for playing a very funny role in mm, this mm. in this film. I think he does it well. I think he didn't have a lot to work with, really, right, and right. he made people laugh, and I think that's great. Right, he didn't make me laugh. No. <laughs> Who did make you laugh in the film? I think nobody. No <laughs> so you liked it even less than I did. I did. I really wow. hated it. I also felt that the version of the patriarchy, which was kind of a Peter Panish version of Andrew Tate, kind of Andrew mm-hmm. Tate crossed with mm-hmm. Brokeback Mountain yeah. that he, he got from the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he thought horses were important. I that didn't was get that. really weird. Maybe that was an American thing. That I have never I seen a horse in Los Angeles. No. And I lived in LA uh, mm. for a while. Maybe it's a symbol of freedom or... Yeah. And he didn't bring any actual horses no. back to Barbie land. That was a mistake. Mm. Um, but the that film would have been better with horses. <laughs> yeah, mm. that version, that kind of infantile thing was nevertheless more creative and more fun than what the women had been doing. At least the men were fun. playing the guitar yeah. and sitting on the beach mm-hmm. at night. That mm-hmm. looked nice and doing big dance numbers. The film's message was that the men needed the women as their audience Mm. to feel fulfilled. But at the same time, they were all incredibly camp. Yep. And they were supposed to be all of them straight apart from one, Alan, Mm -hmm. Ken's friend, who's Mm -hmm. played very much as a gay man who is actually one of the girls. Mm. And all the others supposedly are straight Mm -hmm. and their girlfriend's approval is important to Mm -hmm. them. But at the same time, they seem more self-sufficient than someone like Andrew Tate is. His (laughs) thing is all about impressing, you know, impressing other people, how Mm. the people see him. Um, And the whole pickup artist scene is about Mm -hmm. measuring your worth in terms of how many women you can get and how many women you can impress. Mm -hmm. But it felt more innocent than that. 
I felt as though if Ken could just get over her, then he, he'll actually have a nice life. Um, yeah. Getting drunk every day and um, playing the guitar and standing there on the beach. Yeah. Beaching, as he, great. As he yeah. calls it. <laughs> what did you think of um, uh, America Ferreira's um, mm. uh, character and her relationship with her daughter and the kind yeah. of Barbie, the Hatred. sort of uh, Barbies in real life? Well, firstly, I take issue with the idea that Barbies make or made a whole generation of women feel self-conscious about their bodies or their appearance. In my experience with women I've talked to who loved playing with Barbies, I didn't play with Barbies. I played with, well, I played with some, but I also played with brats, which, you know, I know better in terms of looking perfect. They didn't make me feel less than mm. And I'm not sure that they actually do, especially for really young girls. Mm. Perhaps once you hit puberty, that starts to happen. But then by that age, most girls today aren't playing with Barbies. They're on TikTok and social media, which is worse, I would say. What do you think? Do you think Barbies make yeah, girls feel bad? I really don't know, but I'm quite sceptical about more thoroughgoing social constructivist mm -hmm. feminism in which women are seen as infinitely malleable by mm. society and susceptible to societal messaging. I'm not sure that I believe that. Although to be fair, in the film, the men are equally susceptible to societal messaging. Mm -hmm. They believe they want to be company directors or whatever, but actually they just want to tickle each other. Um, it's just like there's nothing for either the men or the women. There's nothing interesting, no interesting real desire or activity that they could be doing or fulfilling instead of what's been imposed mm. upon them. There's mm -hmm. just like behind that superficial layer, which we're supposed to condemn or are we mm -hmm. supposed to condemn mm -hmm. it? Because are we supposed to like mm. Barbie Land or not? Or not? Mm. There's nothing. There's mm. nothing there. Well, you have to give it to the filmmakers in that sense that it's gotten people talking right mm -hmm. and that it poses some some good questions I suppose but back to Barbie Ferreira's character mm. her monologue towards the end was one of the most boring and cliche parts of the film yeah. uh, which really sums it up yeah. and she kept you know presenting this idea that um, wouldn't it be great to just have an ordinary Barbie who's just in like a sloppy joe and track pants and has her hair, you know, unwashed in a messy bun. But is still 20 and thin and perfect yeah. looking. Yeah. Just has uh, eccentric eye makeup, like, yeah. the, like the whatever yeah. it was, the, the funky mm. Barbie, mm. weird Barbie. Mm. Yeah. And I'm not sure if you'll agree with me on this, but I don't, I think there's a reason why that Barbie hasn't been made yet. And I believe that there's a reason why there's no chubby Ken or balding Ken. And that's because we want to aspire to something bigger and better than ourselves. And it's the same way that um, they have an astronaut Barbie or action man, you know. We don't want to see the ordinary Barbie sitting on the couch every day watching Netflix because that's us, mm. you know. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to aspire to be better. And that includes being aesthetically Better. And it comes back to the, the point I guess Jordan Peterson was making with the Sports Illustrated cover. You remember that polemic? Oh, yes. And his point, and I tend to agree with him, is that th there's nothing wrong with aspiring to hard work and discipline and a body that shows that. Mm. 
I think this is where we're going to disagree. Yes. Because I think that, you know, for myself to have a better aesthetic mm-hmm. would require time travel. Mm-hmm. I think that would be the main mm-hmm. the main factor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there are costs to focusing on aesthetics. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have limited time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people have choices about how they spend that time. Mm-hmm. And there are also people for whom it's easier to improve aesthetically. Definitely. Those for whom it's less mm-hmm. easy. And I'm more sympathetic to the... Um, diversity of of models. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about for Barbie in particular? Do mm. you think there's a point in having overweight Barbie or Barbie who's who hasn't showered in a week? And <laughs> not to say that those two things are on the same level, but mm. ordinary Barbie. Um, I just feel like it makes no difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of how I felt about the the entire film. I felt mm-hmm. that because it's a giant advertisement for Mattel, mm-hmm. which is the other thing that made me kind of want to spew, <laughs> um, yeah. I um, I think it just, they're trying to make out that this is an issue that really matters. And I actually think that representation in that sense matters much less than people uh, make it out to. It's, just, it's not that it doesn't matter at all, but it's a very cheap way of trying to make things better and it feels orthogonal to any real progress. Mm. Um, Well, it's confused as well in the sense that Barbie or Mattel created all these Barbies, astronaut Barbie, Dr. Barbie. It's not like Barbies were just secretary Barbie, like hairdresser Barbie. Mm. No, Mm. Mattel really did show young girls that girls can do whatever they want to do or can be whoever they want to be. So Mattel's sort of doing this self-effacing, criticizing themselves, but at the same time, you know, promoting themselves. I think it ties into just this, um, you know, culture of guilt that a lot of um, people in, you know, the West have or that anyone or any company that's in a position of power has to show the world, you know, virtue signal. Mm -hmm. Essentially, Mattel is saying sorry for, but at the same, it's, it's very confused. I also wonder whether it's um, it's an idea that Ewan Morrison has mm-hmm. brought up a lot. I don't know if there are show notes for this, but there's an article mm-hmm. he's written on this. We can add it. Which is the most expensive part of making the film is the IP, the kind of original mm. idea and having ownership of the idea. And the number of films now which are rehashings of the same idea sequels new installments mm-hmm. in a franchise yes are making a film of something that's already a product so they already own the intellectual mm. copyright versus the number of things that are original new stories being told that proportion has grown enormously compared to things that are original so if you compare films through the decades, you can mm-hmm. see the number of original, the proportion of original things mm-hmm. shrinking and shrinking till everything is an ironic remake of a remake of a remake. And I find that depressing mm-hmm. and claustrophobic. Um, and I felt that the film really tied into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the people who were defending it in reviews were uh, said that it was very clever pastiche. Mm. So I really only spotted Wolf of Wall Street. There mm-hmm. was a little bit of Bollywood. It was a bit of 2001 at the beginning, most mm-hmm. obviously. And I gather that there were 
a lot of other scenes which you could see as being pastiches mm -hmm. of other films. But there was kind of no particular point to the pastiche. Um, yeah. It didn't add anything beyond being a clever reference. Again, it was, seemed like all just name checking and behind mm -hmm. it is emptiness. No substance. <laughs> yeah. One more thing I wanted to talk about. We started talking about her before, but the teenage daughter. Mm. I wasn't quite sure of the message they were trying to make with her because she sort of captures the ideology of the mm. moment, mm. right? Um, but at the same time, you sort of, at least I despised her. I thought, mm. God, if I ever have a girl who's the... I mean, I was like her in many ways, you know, especially when she calls Barbie a fascist and Barbie starts crying. So yeah, I'm not that sure... that was absurd. Yeah, I'm not sure if we're supposed to sympathise with the teenager and think, mm. yeah, like, you tell Barbie, you have every right to mm. feel like that, or if we're supposed to think, oh, crap, this ideology is so toxic and... Yeah, mm. I felt... Um, can I swear on this yes. podcast? Um, so I found the relationship between the mother and daughter so saccharine. Mm -hmm. It was That's that... not a swear word. No, but the swear word is coming <laughs> in <Ooh>. a moment. <laughs> Um, it was that American mm -hmm. representation of family relationships. Mm -hmm. You know how Americans are always, parents and children are always telling each other that they love each other and things mm -hmm. like that. I'm British and I always feel like, fuck off with that shit. <laughs> um, sorry. My parents told me they loved me. <laughs> I, I love your parents, actually. They are parents. I, they love you too. I love them very much, <laughs> unironically. Mm. But uh, yeah, I can't. St I can't stand the way that family mm. relationships are mm. portrayed in American mm -hmm. films. Always so sentimentalized, mm -hmm. and this was a weird uh, mixture of that. As usual in the film, of course, all of the male characters are just complete ciphers. Mm -hmm. And America Ferrera was portrayed. Oh, sorry, her character mm -hmm. was portrayed throughout as a single mother, mm. um, and. Uh, then we discovered towards the end of the film in mm -hmm. one small scene that she actually has a mm -hmm. husband. Mm -hmm. And they were telling him off for speaking Spanish. Mm, trying to learn For Spanish, saying, yeah. uh, si se puede, because mm -hmm. apparently that has now been copyrighted mm -hmm. as a political slogan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, again, fuck off with that. There's a viral video on Twitter at the moment, which is a very fat guy uh, who is falling out of his... Um, boxer shorts being pulled up onto a platform by a bunch of uh, his male friends mm. above a uh, bus. I think it's a bus or, tr or a tram stop. Mm. Um, I think it's a tram stop, actually, mm -hmm. in Buenos Aires. Oh, yeah. And it's a real struggle. It's a heroic struggle as they're pulling him up by his clothes, which mm -hmm. are about to kind of fall <laughs> off him at any moment, this, this si chubby guy. <laughs> and they're all chanting, si se puede. Oh. Um, which Must is be just, an Argentinian. Yeah, it just means, yeah, we can do yeah. it, you know. You can't just copyright the Spanish mm. language like that and claim yeah. it's cultural appropriation to speak Spanish. As yeah. an Argentine citizen, I object. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I register my objection here. So I felt it was kind of patronizing and mm -hmm. racist. And I don't like to really use the term misandrist because mm -hmm. I feel we shouldn't. Why? One of the things I don't like about mm -hmm. old school feminism mm -hmm. is um, the constant portrayal of women as a victim group. Mm -hmm. And we shouldn't just go and decide to swap out one victim group for another victim group. 
really these are adults making mm-hmm. choices. So I'm reluctant to say it's misandrist. I mm-hmm. think it's just a very silly view. Mm. Yeah. Very empty, yeah. empty view. And um, actually it's very milk toast, right? Yeah. They think they're making this big political comment, but they're not. And the most controversial thing they could have done would be, as I was saying before, to show that men and women need each other and we love each other and we work well together most of the time and that we have our own struggles. And I argue that we we suffer differently but equally. It all comes out in the wash. Yeah. I mean, I, even though I'm um, I'm an EvoPsych girl, mm-hmm. some people who are very influenced by EvoPsych really exaggerate those differences. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. Jordan Peterson exaggerates mm-hmm. them enormously. And so do pickup artists like mm-hmm. Andrew Tate and people like that. And I also think that this old school feminism exaggerates them enormously. On the one hand, it shows everything is social constructivism and we're all blank slates, which is to me the flat eartherism of the left. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, you know, men and women are inhabiting these completely different mental worlds. Mm -hmm. And I just find that um, very cliched and um, uh, unrealistic in terms of people's individual experiences. I agree. Okay, on that note, we better wrap it up. Okay. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye.